of January, every day we fast. And then there is a prayer that is going on for 24 hours in the small auditorium. Any time of the day you can afford to come, just come and be part of the prayer. Be part of the prayer. Mix with the people. Pray as long as you can. If you can pray for two hours, you can pray for four hours, you can pray for eight hours. If you can pray for ten hours, just pray and keep praying. And then if you are tired, there is a place we are provided where you can go and sleep, rest, and then you come back. And then you continue from where you stopped. So it is an opportunity for you to stretch and get yourself prepared. The month of January is the month of preparation. Second Chronicles 27.4 says, Jotam became mighty because he prepared. The more prepared you are for an exam, the more prepared you are for a year, the better able you are to enjoy the year. Preparation is vital. If you want to retire, you prepare to retire. It's good. If you want to get married and you prepare to get married, it's good. If you want to relocate and you prepare to relocate, it's good. If you want to begin a business and you prepare to begin the business, it's always better than not being prepared. So it's the month of preparation and our simple way of preparing is fast and pray. In those two ways, you spend more time before God and you are fitter and better and stronger to be able to be effective in the business of living uh, for the entire year. 30 days of fasting is a good bargain for someone who wants to invest for a year. So take advantage of this. You may not be able to do it alone, but this is an opportunity to do it to others. You know, there's a statement that says he walks fast, he who walks alone, but he walks farthest, he who walks with others. When you walk with others, you can walk far. But when you walk alone, you can walk fast. So take an advantage of working with others. Two are better than one, for they have a better reward for their labor and 24 hours. Whichever part of the day is better for you, just use it and you will be greatly refreshed and you'll be greatly challenged and you'll be tremendously blessed to be part of that fasting. So even if you have not started, today I think is the 15th one. Is it 15th or 14th? Is the 14th one. Okay, because this is 15th. So tomorrow will be half time. You know, half time. So look at your neighbor and say, will you join the game at half time? Or are you still going to sit on the bench until the 70th minute, okay? Around this, from the 66th to the 70th minute, that is when coaches change players. So look at your neighbor and say, what time are you waiting for? Say, answer me, what time are you waiting for? Okay, since you didn't start the game, when do you want to join the game? You know, so that is very, very good. It's, it's, it's just a simple exercise and it's such a blessing. It's such a blessing. We've been doing it now for 30 years in this ministry every January. In fact, we started in those days with 40 days. And the last three days was usually a marathon, continuous. But some people were fainting. And some people ran away. In those days, we used to have what they call Indian race. They would come the first five days of the fasting, and you won't see them again in church. When it's five days to the end of the fasting, they'll show up again, Indian race. That was one of the reasons why in those days they banned India from the Olympics. Because when they want to run 100 meters, Indian, the only place where you can take a picture of them is at the beginning. And then they disappear and go and press the tape. So they were making 100 meters in about three seconds. 
So when they invented the camera that was always catching people as they were going, they discovered that they were there in the beginning, they disappeared through a charismatic power. And then appeared, they said, ah, Indian race. Look at your neighbor and say, Indian race. Which race are you running? <laughs> All right, look at page two. On page two, there is a crest there. There is a logo there. Uh, that is the official logo for the team of the year. Year 2017. If you want a copy of it for your DP, it's going to be available in sticker forms. And if you go to our website, you'll see it there. But if you want to use it for your DP, WhatsApp, your space, whatever form of social media, you can always get a copy of it from the chapel office. They will transmit it to you through the chapel um, app so that you can use it on your DP. That is the official logo, a very red throne with a red heart on it. And that throne is for you to sit on, not for you to stand on. It's for you to sit on. It's a throne. It's a throne for someone who is reading in life. You know, and the crown there is for you to put on your head, not put on the ground. Uh-huh. So that is the crest for the year. That's the official one. Any other one is not right. This is the official one. And every month there will be a special DP, a special crest for your DP, WhatsApp, uh, BBM, whatever you are using. There will be a special one. The one for this month is already prepared. It's already there. And then we're going to make sure that they're available uh, to you throughout. Now, look at page three. You will see Word of Victory Bible Training Institute. That is a part-time Bible school that we have here. It's a part-time Bible school. They meet five to eight. Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays. Non-fellowship days. And this is a place where you can get trained for the work of the ministry in future. You may know where you are going, but you may not know why you are going there. And one of the things you can do in life is just get prepared. You may eventually find yourself in a place where you are the one that knows most among people. And you may be called upon to lead fellowship or called upon to lead a prayer meeting. Especially when they have known that you have, come, you have been a member of Rema Chapel for one or two years or even for six months. And uh, in order for you to have a crash program, we have a Bible school here. It is somewhere there at the back of the building. They meet Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. Uh, this is an opportunity for you. And uh, this year is the year to do it, not next year. Because next year, there may not be time to do it anymore. Because whether you know it or not, you are getting busier by the day. You know, you are always having more to do. A day will never come when you'll be less busy than what you are now. Because you are being connected to several people and you are having to do several things. And uh, you are growing older and the older you get, the more the network of relationships and connections. And the more the commitment you have. When you have a baby, it's better than when you have two babies. And uh, when you are single, it's still better than when you are married. You know, when you are an employee, it's still better than when you are an employer. Who knows, probably next year you'll be more busy. Who knows whether next year you will be in a bigger office than what you are now. Your academic demands may be tighter than what it is now. And you may not be able to do it. But today, now, you have the opportunity. Cashing on it this year. Ephesians 5.16 says, Redeeming the time for the days are evil. And for those of you who drop out, I'm looking at a dropout now. 
for those, look at your neighbor and say, are you a dropout? You know, one of the most unfortunate things in life was people to start something and not finish it. God is a finisher and he wants you to finish. For those of you who are dropouts, repent in sackcloth and ashes before God and go to the chapel office and say, I am a dropout. Announce it so that he will give you that name, dropout. And then we'll probably give you special concession so that you can resume and then finish your course. You dropped out in term number one. Some of you went for about five weeks. And uh, you are still where you are. You, you didn't finish it and you are not in any way doing more than what you've done uh, at that time. So I want to encourage you to take advantage of this. And uh, the chapel office here is a place where you can pay application form. And um, there is a little money you need to pay. You see, when things are free, people get it and they don't complete it. So the money is a money for commitment. It's not that we are, we, are, we, are, we, are, we, are, we are strained of cash or we don't have money to pay teachers or we don't have money to pay rent for the Bible school. It's just to show your commitment. And uh, we will also send these forms to our various installations in town so that you can go there and pick uh, application form. But it's easier for those of you who are here just walk up to the chapel office and say, I need a Bible school application form. And don't, don't waste time to fill it. If you're boyfriend and girlfriend, you can go together. If you're husband or wife, you can go together so that you can reinforce and encourage one another. If you're friends, cosmates or flatmates or you live in the same compound, you can also do it together. That will help you a lot. It is one added thing that will help you become a better person. And the, the better you are as a person, the better the things you are going to attract. Word of Victory Bible Training Institute. We are going to resume in February. We'll give you the announcements once every other thing begins to come into place. Two more announcements very quickly. Number one, we inaugurated a fellowship some time ago. It is called Fellowship of Ministers Children. If you are a child daughter or son of a minister of the gospel dead or alive um, we, want, we have formed the fellowship for you and uh, we promised you that we are going to tell you how we are going to be meeting and we have our own purpose and objectives for forming the fellowship so if you are like that tomorrow by the grace of God by 5 o'clock there will be a meeting just one hour 5 to 6 we want to appoint those who are going to coordinate the fellowship I want to fix the day when we are going to be meeting and what we are going to be doing when we meet. So don't forget, fellowship of ministers, children. Uh, no matter how old you are, you are still somebody's child. Uh, probably the King James is one of the oldest in this church. He's still somebody's child. Even when his hair was white, I used to visit his village. Near Aochi. And uh, when he gets there, he's still a child to his father. He will sit on the floor, even I was 70 or close to 70 then. And his father will still talk to him. So, if you're a minister child, one is a minister child, forever a minister child. So, if you belong to that category, I don't say you, you want to be a minister child. You have to be one first. So, whether your father is dead or alive, or whether he's still actively in ministry or has been thrown out of ministry by the vestige of life, probably you're going to pray him back so that he can pick it up from the way here he stopped. So, we are going to meet tomorrow, 5 o'clock, and the meeting is going to be a special meeting. Now, we are almost ready for the driving school. The cars are ready. There is only one thing left. 
that is the place where we are going to be using for the driving. Please, if you have registered for the driving school, reconfirm your interest in the chapel office. Go to the chapel office and say, I have registered earlier for the free driving school. What we are doing is that we are training people in the driving school, free of charge, how to drive. And if you finish well and you show a level of devotion, we will probably also organize your driving license so that you have a license free of charge. We train you free of charge. And then and one of your commitments you are going to make is that once you get the license, you are going to be part of the bus drivers in church for one year before you disappear. That is how to pay back your tuition. <laughs> Don't always keep taking out. Give back. Don't always keep taking out. Give back. So if you don't want to, if you don't want the responsibility of being one of the bus drivers in church or one of the uh, convention drivers, then don't come. But once you come, you are going to be tied into that under God. It's not, it's not that we are going to put your hand in the book, but under God. And if you run away, God will follow you. I'm just going to send God as he has run away. And you know God who caught up with you now know how to catch up with you. A fish will just swallow you. And transport you to the <laughs> to the place that that you belong to. <laughs> so the free drivers, we we intend that as soon as that is resolved, but we want to recommit so that we can know the number because we had about five hundred people, and we want to recommit so that we can know the number. We have enough cars that cover whatever we want to do, and we have enough volunteers already that are volunteer. And if you want to volunteer to be a, a driver caregiver. In other words, you want to help to teach people how to drive. Also notify us in the chapel office. Thank you very much. A lot has already been taken up by these announcements, but that does not mean that we'll still not do justice to what we have to do. Jeremiah 29. Look at your neighbor and see how many chapters are in the book of Jeremiah. Answer and not just smile. Uh -uh. Some of you don't need to sit near people who are dull. Look at your neighbor and say, Are you smart or dull? Uh -huh. my, my dull, I want me, my dull, me. You need to sit near people that before you call, they have answered. Why are you speaking? Has he told you how many chapters are in Jeremiah? Has he? If he has not, hold his hand and raise it up. <laughs> Jeremiah 29. And I want to read from verse 11. It's, and the word of God says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. That is the word of the Lord. And by the grace of God today, I will be speaking in this first service on the subject of we need dominion over this. We need dominion over this. So what is the this that we need, we all need dominion over? Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for the privilege you have given us and for the word you've given us for the year. We rejoice at thy word like one have found great spoil. Thank you for giving us insight into what your will is according to this word.
thank you for teaching us by the mighty power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And thank you for helping us to grasp the length and the breadth and the height and the width of what is the burden of your heart. Thank you as you communicate this to our hearts that it will sink deeply into our hearts and we will mix faith with it and be better in every respect. We give you glory and praise. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray. We need dominion over this. If this morning I were to carry out a survey whereby every one of you should write some of the things that they fear most in life, I will probably have a lot of different responses. If I were to carry out a research survey where I give everybody a sheet of paper and I tell you the various kinds of things that you fear, I am going to have quite a number of different responses. Psychologists tell us that there are at least 645 different kinds of fears that people in this world have. At least 645 different forms of fear. And by the grace of God in my ministry of over 30 years that spans six continents of the world and quite a number of nations of the world, I have been privileged to meet people with various fears. I've been privileged to counsel people with various fears. And I have been amazed at times at the kind of fears that many people have. And by the grace of God, I've been able to help by ministering to people with various fears. But in my experience, I can tell you this, and this is also supported by survey researches, that among the 645 various forms of fears, there are certain ones that tend to stand out and they are very prominent. And I will give you about nine of them. Nine different kind of fears that most people have, even including Christians. And by the time I begin to reel them out, probably you'll be able to identify or even locate yourself in any or more of these. The first kind of fear that many people have is what is called the fear of death. And the Greek name for this kind of fear is called thanatophobia. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 and 15 talks about this fear. It is one of those fears particularly that Jesus died for. Hebrews 2 14 says, For as long as the children were partakers of flesh and blood, he, Jesus, also took part of the same, so that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death and deliver those who through fear of death have all their life been subject to bondage. When I joined your cult in 1973, for a period of eight years, one of the reasons why I joined was for the fear of death. Before 1973, I was under the apron strings of my father. He protected me and defended me from every fear of witches, wizards, and all those demonic forces. But all of a sudden when he died, I felt very naked. And then I had fear of death. 
Fear of death has been a fear that has led people from one level of bondage to another level of bondage. There are quite a number of people who are afraid at times even to sleep because they may die. So the first kind of fear that is very prominent is called the fear of death. First Corinthians 15, 26 reminds us that death is an enemy anyway, but we should not be pathologically, as it were, overtly afraid of death. Not that we should willingly put our neck on the ground and have our heads chopped off, but that for the child of God, death ushers them into God's presence, not away from him. To be present in bodies, to be away from the Lord, and to be away from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And so God wants you to know that it's not the kind of fear that you should entertain because Christ already died for it. So the first kind of fear in this category is fear of death. The second kind of fear is the fear of all animals. The fear of animals. The general fear of animals, the Greek word for it, is zoophobia. Zoo, from the word zoology, phobia. I mean the fear of bees, the fear of dogs, the fear of snakes, cats, the fear of fish, insects, donkey, horses, and so on and so forth. The fear of animals. I know someone who recently said she is afraid to kill a chicken. That is zoophobia. Oh, I can eat it when it is cooked. And once it is cooked and iced, I can always cut it into pieces. But for me to take it and kill it, I don't think I can. I know some people, they can't handle a living fish as it wingles like this. So that kind of a fear, if you have it, the fear of animals. Some people, when they see dogs like this, or they see cats, or they see horse or any animal whatsoever, even insects, cockroach. I remember there was a man, an apostle, Apostle Joseph Sims. He came to us all the way from Riverside, California, apostle of the, of the word of God. And he was teaching in our church in Ibadoluyole on faith, the power of overcoming faith. And as he was preaching, a red-headed Agama lizard in those days, the door of the church had not been put in place. So a red-headed Agama lizard entered into the building. Apostle of faith, teaching on overcoming faith. When he, <laughs> when, he saw, when he saw the lizard coming, he kept preaching. And you know, the lizard wanted to join the fellowship. So the lizard started climbing the steps one by one. And he was still teaching and moving in another direction. Now you cannot expect an apostle to be afraid. But that is what fear is. That's what phobia is. The fear of animals. And when the lizard kept coming towards him, he had to stop his message and said, can't somebody just remove this lizard now? Well, he should have tread upon serpents and scorpions and all the parts of the enemy. And nothing would have hurt him. But on this particular occasion, that was not going to be. The fear of animals. Number three kind of fear. The fear of change. That is one fear that Churches, some churches fear change. Some societies fear change. USSR fear change. USA was afraid of change. From Obama to Donald J. Trump. You know, and they feared. It was a serious fear. I mean, there were so many clips of videos that were sent around and the various expressions of the various kind of fear. Some churches are so afraid. You can't change anything. You can't change service order. You can't change offering plates. You can't change seating alignment. You can't change building configuration. You can't change anything. That kind of a fear is called 
Metatesophobia. Metatesophobia. The fear of change. Some societies fear change. China, for example, fear change to such a point that when you are in China, you can't browse the internet. They, can't, they have shut the internet away from you being able to browse or do many things that commonly you can do in every or many countries. Fear of change. They want things to be the way they are. As it was in the beginning, so is it now, so forevermore. What without end? Are you that kind of person who fear change? Are you like that? If you are the kind of person who fear change, change of diet, change of dressing, uh, change of location, some people have lived in the same place for 50 years. Some people have lived in the same house for 25 years and nobody has nailed them to the ground because they are still tenants. But they are just afraid. They just fear change. They can't move out. They can't move on. The fear of change. The fourth kind of fear is the fear of man. I remember this was one of the fears that God, my, my father, cultivated in me. He will always say to Yoruba, in your total form. Huh. But we know. Now, that kind of a fear is called anthrophobia. 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 It is called international relation phobia or social phobia. It's a pathological fear of people. It's a particular fear of people. Saul was somebody who suffered from that. He feared people. And that messed him up. He feared people. There are some of us, we fear people. That is why we are not members of the Women's Fellowship. That's why we are not members of the Men's Fellowship. We fear people. Whenever people are in a place and you need to associate, you fear them. You don't want to be part of them. It is a phobia. It's not just that you are super or you are great or you have something better to offer. It's a phobia. It's a form of fear. And it's important for us to know that any form of fear must be something you and I should operate in dominion over. We must operate in dominion over fear because you can never actually experience total dominion for as long as there is one form of fear or another that is ruling or controlling you or holding you back or debarring you or standing in the way of what you need to be able to do freely. Dominion simply calls for you to be at liberty. Psalm 119 verse 45 said, I walk in liberty. Galatians 5 1 says, stand fast in the liberty. You and I are going to be judged by the law of liberty. According to James 1 25 and James chapter 2 verse 12. So, any form of fear is antithetical to operating in dominion. To operate in dominion, you need faith. And fear is the opposite of faith. So any form of fear that is holding you back, fear of the night, fear of height, whatever it is, is not something you should tolerate. It is something you need to operate in dominion over. Fear of man. God's word warned us in Isaiah 51, 12, Deuteronomy 1, 17, that we should not, we should not, be afraid of the face of man. Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man bringeth a snare. You see, for the fear of man, people have been known to offend God. God told Saul what to do, where to do it, how to do it, when to do it, but he was afraid of the people. He said, I was afraid of the people and this was what I did. And God said, you are a fool. So some people fear of man. Every time when you dress, Fear of man. What people say? What will people say? When you are doing even what God wants to do, what will people say? What will people think? 
whatever they want to think, let them think. Whether you do what God says or not, people will always think something else. So why should I be bothered? But whatever some man will think of me or some man will have a desire of me. So that is a fear. And for as long as you are that, in that form of operation, you can operate in dominion. There is no way you can operate in dominion. Dominion should be that you walk at large. The Lord is that spirit, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. And wherever the, Lord, the, the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The true mark and genuine mark of true Christianity is liberty, liberty. Not reckless liberty, not liberty with abandon, abandonment, but liberty that is tempered by love. So, fear of man. Another kind of fear people have is the fear of failure. Fear of failure. Fear of failure, the Greek word for it, is atychophobia. A-T-Y-C-H-I phobia. To some extent, there is always a normal amount of doubt regarding success in certain projects or relationship or examination. But when it takes up an extreme form, it is called atychophobia. You know, atychophobia, fear of failure. This is the reason I remember the young man. I said, why are you not married? He said, ah, what if I get married and the marriage does not work? Uh, why don't you uh, do the exam? What if I do it and I fail? Fear of failure. Fear of failure is the reason why many people have not, have not attempted great things for God. You know, I know a pastor who for so many years would not carry out a church building uh, program because he was afraid. What of if I don't have enough to finish it? And because of that, he had raised money about eight different times or occasion. And up to now, the judge does not have a building. Fear of failure. Fear of failure. Now, if you fail, you just pick it up from where you failed. Proverbs 24, 16 says, seven times a righteous man will fall and he will arise. Okay? That is dominion. Dominion is being able to rise the eighth time when you have fallen seven times. It's not the number of times that you fail that matter, but the number of times that you rise up. And for as long as you are rising after every failure, you are in dominion. But people have fear of failure. Fear of failure. What if I go into the ministry and I'm not successful? For what? The early part of my ministry had that fear. God said, you take my word to the nations and I was afraid. What if I don't go to the nations? What if the nations don't open up to me? You know, and that fear will keep you in the boat. That fear will stop you from walking on the water. That fear will stop your potential from being fully uh, manifest. Remember, talking of my message this morning, this first service, is that we need dominion after this. The sixth kind of fear is fear of taking on responsibilities. <laughs> I see this very much. Whenever we are having election, men's fellowship election, women's fellowship election, Youth fellowship, there are certain people that are just afraid to take on responsibilities. They will not just want to be put online. They don't want to be president. And eventually, even when they are, they run away. Some people don't even want to occupy any office that confer upon them responsibilities. They hide from it. You know, that's a fear. And you need to operate in dominion over that. Because God wanted to be the head and not the tail. He wanted to be above only and never below. And as the head and not the tail, and as somebody above and not below, that is when you operate in dominion. The Greek word for the fear of taking responsibility is a very complex word. It is called hyping 
Genophobia. H-Y-P-E-N-G-Y-O-Phobia. Or H-Y-P-E-N-G-I-A-Phobia. The fear of taking responsibilities. You don't want to be put in charge of anything. Ah, no, 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 no. You want to make them out of the department, they don't want it. Fear, it's a form of fear, you know. They don't think they have enough within them. Forgetting that it is Christ who walketh in us both to will and do according to his good pleasure. You see, that is a form of fear. And for as long as that fear rules, you are dominate, you are controlled, you, you can operate in dominion. You should be able to say, I can do all things. I've never done it before. Nobody has ever done anything they do now before. I have never pastored a church before I started pastoring. I've never traveled to any nation before I started traveling to the nations of the world. I've never laid hands on the sick before I started laying hands on the sick. I've never trained ministers before I started training ministers. That's always the first time. And there is no, no reason for you to fear. I cannot. If God says you can, then who are you to say you cannot? In the Bible, you see people like that. You see Moses. Ah, I cannot. Who will I say send me? Who born monkey? You see Gideon. In the book of Judges chapter 6. Ah, no, I cannot. Even when Saul was going to be made king in First Samuel, ah, I cannot. Ah, no, I cannot. Well, it is good for us to know that at times it could be a sign of humility. But you know as well as I do that most times it's not humility. It is phobia. It is phobia. Let me give you two more here. Another one is the fear of flying. It is called in Greek, aerophobia. 6.5% of the world population is afflicted by this fear. The fear of flying. Now, let me say this to you justifiably. In Nigeria, if you don't want to fly, because the airlines are not reliable, that necessarily may not be this thing we are talking about. Because you will not just commit suicide by flying an aircraft that has only one engine. You know, I mean, but in the situation where the airline is okay, but you are still afraid to fly. I know some football players who, because of this fear, cannot play uh, football matches in places where they have to fly to. Then his Beckham in the days when he was in Arsenal was a good player, but he was too afraid to fly. The fear of the fear of flying. You know, even at times when you are in the aircraft, you see some people they are just sweating. Now it's very cold in there, but they are sweating. What is it? It's fear. That's what phobia does. Phobia makes certain things to be more difficult than they actually are, or more difficult than they actually look. You know, and then still under that, we can have the fear of heights. Aerophobia, the fear of heights. Some people, they are afraid of heights. When you give them hotel rooms to stay, they cannot stay on floor number 42. Because it's too high. When they look at the body, the fear of heights. I used to have that phobia. I used to have. So that whenever I go to the hotel, I say I want to be in floor number two, three, four. They say, what about floor number 60? Where you are going to see the hotel? I say, no, I don't want it. Because when I look like this, my eye will be turning like this. Now, I have to conquer it. Because let me say this to you. Life is not going to be such whereby you are going to be in the lowlands. If you want to operate in the highlands of life. The Bible says in Isaiah 58, 14, I will make you ride upon the high place of the earth. And feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. Fly of heights. Aerophobia. Then let me give you two more. I said, another one is the fear of illness. 
It is called nosophobia. We can continue with a number, quite a number of other common and familiar ones. But the one I want to deal with this morning is the fear of the future. The fear of the future. This is a very common fear. And for many young people, this is a fear that many of you have. The fear of the future. What about my future? Will I have a good future? Will I be a success in life? Will I really achieve my dreams? Will those things that I long to have, things that I long to do, and the person I long to be, and the place I want to get to, will I get there? And there is a fear of the future. At the beginning of every year at times, this is a fear that is in many people's heart. They fear, what is this year going to bring? Wow. What is going to happen this year? And they have fears. You know, and they have fears. And the fears that most people have about the future is as a result of many reasons. Why do people fear the future? Why do people fear the future? There are some of you who are about to graduate. You already fear the future. What will happen when I leave the university? There are some of you who are serving and you fear the future. What will happen when I film my NYSC? There are some of you who fear the future. What will marry after I get what will happen after I get married? What will happen? What will happen? And these are genuine fears that people have. But let me say, in this year and in every year and in your future, you are going to have to be in dominion over this kind of fear or else you will never succeed. You are going to have to be able to operate in dominion over fear of the future. Because whether you know it or not, your future is important. Your future is more important than your past. And if instead of approaching the future with faith, what you approach the future with is fear, then you are doing yourself a lot of damage. You won't be able to take the kind of risks that you are expected to take. You won't be able to take the kind of steps you are required to take. You won't be able to make the kind of plans that you are required to make. And what I want to do is to help you with this. Because as a young man, I face that fear. Now, today was the tomorrow and the future I was afraid of yesterday. It was one of those things I battled with. It was one of those things I battled with. I, I remember after, before I got married, after we now got married, I got married no, November 10th, 1984. We went to Crean, Cocoa Research Institute guest house, where we ate our honey in the moon. And then we came back to Ilori. And I can never forget, November 20th, my young wife had just gone to bed and I was in the city room. And I was saying, is this her? What again? Huh? What, what will happen? You see, and then I started thinking, now they say this thing is forever. <laughs> what? Hey, hey. You know, I, is, is, this, is, this, is this everything I'm shouting about? You know, at times, before you do that thing, it looks scintillatingly attractive. But by the time you cross the Rubicon, and you have crossed the bridge, then you know that there are certain fears. You now have to be responsible for somebody. You're going to have to take the picture of that person. That person at times may not even work. 
that person may not be able to think on their own. You are going to have, so I just, I started having those fears. I had those fears when I finished from university. The comfort of the university and the embrace of people in the university. I was going to now latch out alone into life. And this was a real fear. And I had to conquer it. When I was going to leave a, a paid job for ministry, I had this fear again. You know, we call it chronophobia. Chronophobia. The fear of the future. And it's a fear that is debilitating. This is the fear that is crippling quite a number of people. This is why those who are called into the ministry cannot even leave their paid job to respond to God's call on their life because of chronophobia. What will I eat? Who will take care of me? What will happen to my children? What will happen to my life? And because of that, they paralyze God's plan for their lives. Is it possible for me to paralyze God's plan for my life? Oh, yes. Some people are doing just that now. Some people have done that years ago. The fear of the future. Chronophobia. Now, in any case for now, why do people have fear of the future? Why is it that people fear the future? Why is it that people are afraid of the future? Now, the future is so important. Our past is our experience. Our future is our adventure. Okay? The future holds promises for us. You know, there's a song that says, Tomorrow holds for me better things I know. The Lord is always shining. I will rise and shine. Now, tomorrow holds for you, but you are so scared, Steve. You are so scared, Steve, about the future. You are suffering from chronophobia. Certain steps you should have taken. Certain decisions you should have made. Certain efforts that you should have churned out. You haven't been able to do it. And for as long as you can do these things, you are going to be limited and you will never be in dominion. God wants you to have no fear of whatever type, not even a fear of the future, because dominion is progressive. You are going to have to conquer territories. You are going to have to add new lands. You are going to have to expand and influence and enlarge and increase. And that takes not being afraid. When the children of Israel got to Jordan, God had to keep encouraging Joshua, be strong and of good courage. So, the future is that part of our life which is going to be the best part of our lives. But to take hold of the future, there are certain fears. Why do people have fears of the future? I want to give you some reasons. Well, this could look terrible reasons. They could look like acceptable reasons. They could look like genuine reasons. But you don't have a reason to be afraid of something that is going to work against you. Okay, why do people have fears of the future? Number one, because we don't know what is going to bring. The future is unknown. Whenever we are going to have to go to a place you don't know before, whenever you are going to do something you've not done before, whenever you are going to have to deal with something that you don't know, one thing that will be present is fear. The first reason why is because we don't know what it's going, to, it's going to bring. It's unknown. Our best forecasts are educated guesses. Nobody really knows what is going to happen in the future. 
You see, one thing about man is that we want to know what's going to happen in the future. And whenever we are not in the future to know what's going to happen in the future, we are afraid of it. That is why we are not like Father Abraham. Abraham was told by God at an advanced age of 75, leave the place where you are familiar, leave your family to a place that I will show you. God had not shown it to him. But you know what? He followed. That is what faith is. I don't know what is going to happen. It's not enough reason for you not to take risks. Number two reason. Why people have a fear of the future? Because they are under constant harassment by the devil in so many ways as per what the future holds. The devil begins to harass you in your sleep about what the future holds. Begins to tell you, you are going to fail. You will not make it. And you see, if you are not careful, some of those dreams, you accept them, you embrace them, and you allow them to control you. And you shouldn't be controlled by such at all. Never should you be controlled by anything at all. The only force that has the power to control you is God. One of the signs of a mature Christian and the kind of life God wants us to live is a life without domination. When some forces will be controlling you. So people fear the future because they are under constant harassment by the devil. The devil harasses you. Remember your generational cause? You remember your family cause? And that is the reason why people are afraid of the future. And that is why they will not make an effort. I remember one of our sisters entered into a relationship. Well, I was happy for her. I rejoiced with her. And eventually the man came back and said, no, I'm no longer interested in the relationship. So I saw her. I said, sorry about it. I said, ah, no, 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 sir. No, sir. It is not the fault of the man. It is a family thing. In other words, she was giving credence to a cause in the family. People have forgotten that Deuteronomy chapter 23 verse 5 and Nehemiah chapter 13 verse 3 says your causes can be turned into blessings. So why should I, as it were, put myself under a cause that Christ have redeemed me for? But people are afraid because the devil harassed them. Number three reason why people are afraid of the future is because of what others, especially their friends and family and colleagues, are saying about it. You know, we discuss with people Family people discuss, friends discuss, and at times from what they say, that is where the, the fear is created. Fear is a product of words, just like faith is a product of words. Romans 10, 17, now faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word. Now when you look at the devil's version of that, it says, and fear comes by hearing, and hearing by the word. So why? Something that people are saying. If you are around people who are spiritually illiterate, there are certain things they will say that will make you have fear about the future. They will tell you bad luck stories. They will tell you of people they have known before and what became of them. All those things. So why do people fear what colleagues and friends and associates say as it were is what produces the fear. Number four, why do people fear the future? Because of the uncertainty of the times in which we live, where nothing is so sure as the powers of the heavens have been shaken. Evidently, you and I live in a time, according to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, that is called perilous times. 
or difficult times or terrible times or a time when it's difficult to be a Christian. A time when things will happen difficult to understand, difficult to bear and difficult to deal with. And because of that, this, the, the, the state of the world is such that it looks uncertain and that itself creates fear. What will happen? Now the Naira is going from 579 Naira to one dollar. What will happen? What will happen? Mosop is there. What will happen? What is the killings in Southern Kaduna is there? What will happen? Boko Haram is here. What will happen? So all those things create a climate that make us even fear what the future holds. But you don't have to fear the affairs. You have to rule over that kind of affair. I know this. The Bible says in Luke chapter 21 verse 26, men's hearts shall fail them for fear for looking upon those things that are coming to pass in the world. But the Bible says in verse 28, when all these things begin to happen, lift up your heads and look up for your redemption. Try not. God who singled the children of Israel out in Goshen, despite everything that was happening, know how to preserve the righteous from temptation and reserve the wicked until the day of evil to be punished. I don't care what the economy of this country says. My lifestyle is not a product of the economy of this country. My lifetime is a product of the resources of heaven. God supplied my need not according to the economy or the force of this country, but according to his riches in glory by Christ. Some of these things facilitate fear. But I'm going to tell you, you're going to have to operate in dominion over this. It doesn't matter what it is. Come what may, what come. Oh, the third, they're going to be told World War. Northern Korea is trusting missiles. There is a crazy man now in America who says, well, let us begin the nuclear race. His name is called Donald J. Trump. If Russia wants it, we also want it. Come on, let's go for it. After all, he's 70-something years old. How long does he have to live? But you are 20, and the future is before you. And the future, the rest of your life is the best of your life. And so with the uncertainty in the environment, there is a fear of the future. A fear, will Nigeria remain one? Is it possible? Won't it be divided? Won't it be divided? What will happen? So all those things are there. And that's why people have fear of the future. Number five reason why people fear the future is because of what their past has been. For those who have had a challenging and a struggling past, they don't want a future to be like their past. So they are beginning to say, I don't want my future to be like my past though. That's why they fear the future. I know what my fear was, my, my past was. Growing up was tough. Eating was difficult. I grew up in a family where there is no car. I remember one member of our church here was telling me that she grew up in a room where 15 people slept. And that was the only room everybody in the family had to sleep. And there were 15 of them and in one room. And every time she talks to me, say, hey, he says, uh, please, oh, tell God for me. Oh. 
Now she's afraid of the future. She's probably thinking, I hope this future that we are talking about with all what is happening around will not repeat and even be more difficult than the past. Because of what their past has been, those who have had a challenging and struggling past, they do not want their future to be like that. They don't want things to continue the way they have been. Because they don't still want to have things tough. I remember growing up young man. That was one of the things, fears that was in my heart. I grew up in a family of 15, of 13 children. And one of the fears I had was, <laughs> Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't want to also have to go through those experiences that I went through growing up. Now, after I've grown up in such a way that both sides of my life, I wouldn't enjoy them. Number six reason why people have a fear of the future is because of those whose lives are linked to them. Some of us have father and mother. Their lives are still linked to us. They suffered bringing us up and we want to be able to compensate them. That was one of the things I had a desire of growing up as a young Christian, growing up as a young person. I just wish my mother had not died. My mother died when I was seven. My father died when I was 15. And I wish that my father had not died, my mother had not died. You see, I, because I felt, because I will see the way my father suffered. I will see how the effort he went through to make sure he took care of us. When he brings his salary home, which was really nothing, he will share the school fees and he will begin to cry at the end because everything is gone. And yet one or two people's school fees have not been paid. And I was saying to myself, God, please, my future should be such that will be rosy whereby I can take care of her and him. Um, my mother was dead then, but my stepmother. I said, but mother, that way I can take care of my siblings because their lives are linked to me. There are some of us who have, we are afraid of the future. We fear the future because of those whose lives are linked to our own. Not just father, mother, siblings, but also wife and children. The reason why some people have one or two children is not because they're not fertile enough. It's not because their quiver is small. But because they fear the future. And that is it. That is why. You see, the fear of future does not allow them to be fruitful, multiply, replenish. You see, but that fruitfulness and multiplication is necessary for dominion. We must reproduce the kind of the species of who we are. But not many Christians are giving back to enough children to take over the earth. Biological growth is one way in which the church can grow. But many Christian families, because of the fear of the future, if I have five children, what will happen? If I, I know a pastor in London who gave back to nine children. When I met him some years ago, he had these nine people and they were very young. And the man told me, he said, I'm not afraid. God says, go. The Bible says, God bless me and says, go. He said, I'm going. Be fruitful, and I'm fruitful. Multiply, and I'm multiplying. I will teach on that during the year. He said, replenish the earth. Then he says, subdue it. We need numbers to subdue. We need numbers to subdue. 
If many more Christians are not giving birth, and those who are not Christians who are giving, it has been discovered that those who are not Christians are giving birth to many more children than those who are Christians. So we are losing the battle. They are taking over. Biologically, they are on the edge. And so dominion for them is easy. I was reading the story of a man recently who's got 200 children. He has a whole town to himself. 200 children. <laughs> I still have the video clips sort of. And he have sent it even to some of the members of the church here. But you see, that is what it takes. So dominion is not something you can just say, one, the more the, more, the merrier. Some of you need to go back to children production. It's a pity for people like us now. It's already too late. If not, ah, Daniel. All my children are finished school, you see now. I wish I still had about nine who are, who are, who are just starting. Kindergarten. That mulosuguru, bye. Now, because we need numbers. Numbers. We need numbers. But we are not getting numbers. We are not having numbers. There are not enough people out there. When I speak about such things, people say, ah, what is... That was one of the overpowering power of Israel in Egypt. They, they multiplied greatly. They became a threat. The whole land was filled with them. They came little, but come up, come on, lady. Be a Danny. Be a Look at your neighbor and say, That's how to operate in dominion. I've told my children, I was arguing with one of them recently. So how many children do you want to have? He said, One. 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 Number card, yeah. Kaloma Kalabi Anibio. You were called number one. And somebody said, I'm number five of my family, and my wife is number eight of our family. Now, if your family had only three children, will you be alive? If your wife's family had only two children, will she be there? Look at your neighbor and say, Repent. Yeah. <laughs> There is too much fear. You know, there is too much fear out there. There is too much fear out there. And it's not necessary. Let me give you one more reason here. Why is it that people fear the future? Because of what they can see of some people. Whose past they were aware of. And whose future they can also see. One of the greatest fears in my heart as a young man was a family that I know in Ofa. In the early stages of that man's life, he was very prosperous. He had money, he had houses, he had cars, he had businesses. And after some while, everything that he had disappeared. And that created fear in me. That, ah, if this thing happened to this man that in the beginning it was like this but look at what his hand is I remember I had that fear even as a young boy 
Because the man became so broke, he was riding a bicycle. The man became so broke, he sold all his house. I was living in the houses, a house that he rented. The man became so broke, he had a corner shop. This was a man who had businesses, who was rich. People would come to his house to eat and everything was fine. So that created a fear in me. But when I became a child of God, I still had that fear. But when I went into the scriptures and I started seeing in old age, that shall be fat and flourishing. I started seeing scriptures like Psalm 37 verse 25. I've never seen the righteous forsaken the children begging for bread. I started skimming scriptures like Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22. A good man liveth an inheritance for his children's children. I started skimming scriptures like Psalm 37, verse 37. Back the upright man. The end of that man shall be peace. I started seeing scriptures like Ecclesiastes 7, 8. Surely there is an end. And uh, Ecclesiastes said, better is the end of a thing. That now my, my fear vamoosed. But there are still people who have that fear. If it can happen to them, they say, probably it will happen to me. What makes you believe that? That is faith in the devil's ability and not in the, the ability of your father. That is unlike God. The path of the righteous like a shining light, shining more and more unto the perfect day. It is evil men who wax worse and worse. So, let me quickly tie up this message now. It's very important for us to know when it comes to facing fears there is something you need and that is what we call facts. When it comes to facing fear of the future there is something you need to overpower the fear and that is you need facts. What is the meaning of the word facts? The word fact means a thing that is known or proved to be true. And there is no fact greater than the fact of God's word. If you are not going to be afraid of the future, what are the facts? What are the facts? Psalm 119 verse 69 says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Psalm 119 verse 152 says, Concerning the testimonies, O Lord, thou hast founded them forever. The grass withered at Isaiah 40 verse 8. The grass withered at the flower faded. But the word of our God standeth sure forever. Matthew 5 18. Till heaven and not pass away. Not even a jot of the children of God's law will fail. So what do you face? You see when fear comes. Take facts. And face it with it. Face. Your fear of tomorrow. Your fear of the future with facts. The Bible says in Hosea 14 verse 2, take with you words and turn to God. Fear of tomorrow will always come. The devil will always give you the impression, ha ha, tomorrow, hey, ole maribel, hey, and can change your, hey, and can they change your, why you have the unchanging changer in your life? There are certain things that cannot be done away with. Whatsoever the Lord do it, how long does it last for? And to say so, to say so, oh, well, let disappear. But then to say for what alone, bless the works of his hand. Oh, yato. Christian to jale. 
Wealth gotten by vanity diminishes. Proverbs 13, 11. Face your fear with facts. Don't just say, I'm afraid of the future, I'm afraid of the future. Or what tells you that and your star and everything is the same? What gives you that, that issue? But we fear when we shouldn't fear. The word fear, F-E-A-R, false evidences appearing real. That's what it is. It looks more than it. Ah, the devil will kill you. Ah, this will not happen. That will not happen. It's a lie. I want to give you five facts that should make you have dominion over fear of the future. Five facts. You'll find those facts in Jeremiah 29, 11. Remember these five facts. Let it sink into your heart. Luke chapter 9, verse 44. He said, let these words sink into your heart. One translation says, store this saying in your memory. Another one says, take these words to heart. Another one says, don't forget what I'm about to tell you. Another one says, listen carefully at what I'm going to say. Well, I have reason to fear. I want to give you reasons why not to fear. Especially the fear of the future. Chronophobia. I want to give you reasons why you should not fear. Why should I not fear? The Bible says, though the earth be removed. Psalm 46 verse 1. Though the mountains be carried away into the midst of the city, in the sea, there is a river, the streams, we are of make it glad. The city of our God, God is in the midst of her, so she will not be moved. Though they are be removed. I came to a point growing up, when I conquered the fear of the future, I almost literally saw myself as one of the new kings of the earth. Timidity was far from me. I no longer felt that this earth was, was put in place to be against me. This earth was put in place by God to serve me. To service me. Everything in the universe should be cooperating to make sure that it is well with me. Isaiah 3.10 Say unto the righteous, it shall be well with him. Say to the righteous. Say to the, at times I look at myself in the mirror and say, it shall be well with you. It shall be well. I'm saying it to myself. If nobody will say it to me. Because of fear. So, why should I not? Facts. When these facts are firmly rooted in our hearts, it will rule out our fear and we can operate in dominion by faith. So what does the Bible say about it? Number one, I wanted to notice the following. Number one, about your future, God knows everything that is going to happen, even if you don't. God knows everything that is going to happen, even if you don't. Now, if God who knows everything that is going to happen, says to me, fear not, then what's the base of my fear of the future? God knows everything. 
Hebrews chapter 4 verse 13 says we are naked and open in the eyes of God with whom we have to deal. Psalm 139 verse 2 and 3. Does he not see? Uh, Psalm 139 verse 2 and 3. He says he's known my uprising. He knows my dancing. He knows my thoughts of arrow. God knows everything about the future and he tells me fear not. So what is the basis of my fear? Well, I'm afraid then of the future. If the person who knows everything about the future is telling me, the, problem, the reason why I say is I don't know. But there's someone who knows. And if someone who knows says, don't worry. One of the things God told Joseph, when Joseph was going to put away his wife, he said, fear not to take up your wife. Fear not. He knows everything. He knows where you're going. He knows. So number one reason why is that God knows everything. And he who knows everything is saying, fear not. Number two reason. You'll find it in that scripture. God has a plan for your future. Now, God may not be in your plan. You may not be in your father, your mother's plan. You may not be in your friend, your colleague, your associate's plan. You may not even be in the plan of your family. You may not even have a plan for yourself. But God says, I have a plan for your life. Now let me say this to you. Now let us imagine for those of you who are into sports. If you are a footballer in a club and your coach says, you are part of my plan. Will you be afraid? Will you look for another club? No. Even if he does not tell, he said, you are in my plan. Recently in Manchester United, which is a club that I follow a little bit, there is a guy, a German guy, Bastian Swastiga. He used to be the, uh, the captain of the German team. He started looking for a club. But all of a sudden, Mourinho, Joseph, my real colleague, said, listen, you are part of my plan. The man cooled down. God said, I have a plan for your life. Now, if he says that, shouldn't that God has a plan for my life. I'm not a mistake. My father may not have planned me. Your mother may have told you, ah, the fellow you. Now you cannot be in this world if Allah will be by. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. Paul planted Apollo water. God, God said, I have a plan for your life. You're not a mistake. You're not an accidental, accidental evil speck of nothing that happens to occur. I have a plan. For I know the thoughts. You know what God says? That scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, for I alone know the thoughts. He said, I know the purpose I have for your life. Now, if God says I have a purpose for your life, what's your own problem? Why do you think you are useless in the future when God says I have a plan for your life? You may not have a plan for your life. Your father may not have a plan. This country may not even have a plan for you. But God said, I have a plan for you. When I was growing up, when I had that from God, I have a plan. Every form of agitation, anxiety, concerns, cry and worry, 
through the window. What plan can be better than the plan of the divine? I only, I alone. Hey, I don't have a baby yet. God said, I have a plan. Hey, I don't have a husband yet. I have a plan. I don't have a job. I have a plan. I'm poor. I have a plan. Why can't you just cool down? For seven years in this town, I was waiting for the plan of God to kick in. One minute before the plan of God kicks in, it will never look like it's going to kick in. But the fact that God says, I know the thoughts. I know the thoughts. The devil has his own plan too. But God has his own plan. There are many devices in the heart of a man. But the counsel of God, listen to me. I've come to the point where I know that I was sent to the world not by the devil. I was sent to the world not by my father or mother. I was sent to the world. My father and mother are no longer here. But I'm still operating one plan. Not what they planned for me because my father had no plan. My mother had no plan beyond secondary education. But God who had a plan is the reason why I'm still here. I've lost my job. God said I have a plan. That's it. As simple as that. Oh, this man after 10 years courtship broke my heart. I have a plan. Nothing except you because of your lack of cooperation can frustrate the plan of God. And that's why you need to be very careful. One translation says, I keep in mind my purpose for you. God said, I keep it in mind. Another one says, I know the plan that I entertain. Another one says, I only know my purpose for you. Another one says, I like it. I have not lost sight of my plan. Can you tap somebody and say, God said he has not lost sight of his plan? There was a man who wanted to build a house one day. And when we look for the plan, we could take it So, I'm not your plan to me. But this plan cannot be eaten by rats. Inflation, depression, recession. God knows there will be recession now. And he has made a plan for you despite that. God knows you are going to be divorced. But he has made a plan. God knows at this age, probably you will not be married. God knows at this age, you won't have a child. But he says, I have a plan. My God. And then number three. I said five things. Number one, he knows everything about the future. And he says, don't be afraid. Number two, he said, I have a plan. Number three, he said, not just a plan, but a good plan. I know the thoughts that I have toward you. Thoughts of good. Good. God has good plans for us. While it is one thing for God to have a plan, it feels better to know he has good plans. Look at your neighbor and say, God has good plans. Now, if God says, I have a good plan for you, why are you afraid of the future? What means the future will unveil his good plan? I have a good plan. You are going to give back to the prophet. 
Until one day, I have a good plan. You're going to lay up gold as dust. Oh, in those days, I go to God asking God for money. God says, I have a good plan. I have a good plan. And whenever I see that statement, I have a good plan, I just sleep like a baby. I can't remember me tossing on the blood because I was afraid of the future. It is a distrust and an insult to who God is for me not to be able to sleep because I'm afraid of the future. When he said, I have a good plan for you. I have a good plan. Listen to this one. The nature of God's plan is good. It says, the thoughts that I think towards you are thoughts of welfare. Plans to prosper you. Intention of your prosperity. He said, I have plans to make you happy. Can somebody say, amen? amen? Plans to make me happy. I'm not happy right now. God said, I have a plan to make you happy. Better is the end. Joy is coming. Whipping me endure for the night. In the morning, come my joy. You need to operate in dominion over fear of the future. These are, these are, these are pills. Pleasant words as like honey. Sweet to the bone and health to the, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. I have good plan. Thoughts of, he said, thoughts of welfare. One of them says thoughts of well-being. Another one says thoughts of peace and not of evil. Psalm 139 verse 17. He said, how precious are your thoughts towards me? God is not thinking of killing you. God is not thinking of making you broke. God is not thinking of disgracing you. God is not thinking of ridiculing you. He said, how precious are your thoughts towards me? One translation says, how dear are your thoughts towards me? Another one says, how, 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 Rare are your thoughts towards me. Another one says, how witty are your thoughts? You know, one time I always think, God is thinking about me right now. I'm on God's mind. Ah, somebody said, I've not talked to you, I'm very sorry. Oh, this is, no. I said, don't worry, I'm on God's mind. Don't worry, I'm on God's mind. I'm on his mind all the time. I'm on his mind. Thoughts of good, Number four, why should I not be afraid of the future? Not only does he know everything about my future, not only does he have a plan for me, not only are his plans good plans, but he will execute his plan. Listen to the scripture. Thoughts of good and not of evil to give you Unexpected end. One translation says to give you a future that you hope for. God said, I'm going to give it to you. Why should we be afraid of what God is going to give you anyway? Salvation is a plan. Salvation is a good plan. But you know what? God is the one who carried out how you got saved. He made it possible for you to be saved. He orchestrated it. For me, he took me to a wedding in Adoekiti. 
For you, he brought you to church. For you, you went with a friend to a birthday party. He said to give you a future. Oh, I'm afraid of the future. God said, don't be. Don't be. I will give you the future you expect. What's the future I expect? Children and children's children. What's the future I expect? Married to the man of your choice. A husband of delight. Married to a woman of inestimable value. Married to purpose and destiny. To give you the future that you expect. The plans are there. You see, let me say this. There's a difference between a plan and reality. Between a plan and reality is help. God said, I have a plan, a good plan, but for that plan to become reality, I will have to help you achieve it. Can I hear somebody say, that's me? Whatever the plans of God are, you need help. Psalm 8 verse 12, give us help. God said this to me, I will never forget. Growing up, I read it yesterday again. I laughed. He said, the plan I have for you is like the plan I had for Jesus. When Jesus came to this world, God had a plan for him. It was a good plan. Because after he carried out the thing, the Bible said God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. That the name of Jesus Every knee will bow of things in heaven, of things on the earth, and of things under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory. So God says, the same way I have a plan for you as a good plan, is the same way I had a plan for Jesus Christ, is the same way I had a plan for Abraham, is the same way I had a plan for my tabernacle, is the same way I had a plan for everything I've always done. He said, but I have to make it happen. Jesus used a lot of help. The plan of God for David needed God's help. The plan of God for Solomon needed God's help. The plan of God for Joseph needed God's help. God gave Daniel some rare abilities because of the plan God had for him, which was a good plan. Lift up your hand and say, I receive help. Say it again. Say, I receive help. I receive help for the plans of God for me to come to pass. Say, I receive help. Say, I receive help. Say, I receive help in all forms, in all shapes, in all fashion for the plan of God, which is a good plan to come to pass. I remember the day God told me this as a young Christian growing up. I said, I receive help. And you know, one thing that has defined my life is help, divine help. I'm not a prophet, nor a prophet's son. Everybody, most people that have helped me in life, we are introduced to me by God Himself. He orchestrated it. Let me say this with boldness and assurance. This year, God is orchestrating some dangerous connections for you that will help you execute that plan in the name of Jesus. He will execute His plan. Can, I, can you say I receive that, sir? Say I receive that with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my might. And then one more point here. Why should I not fear the future? Listen to this. God says, don't fear the future because I will be with you every step of the way 
to the very end. Now, why should I be afraid if God is, will be with me every step of the way? Why? I want you to open a scripture. Genesis 28. So many years ago when I opened that scripture and I read it, I danced like I've never danced before. You know, there's a song that says, When the Spirit of the Lord moves upon my heart, I will dance like David. Dance like crazy. Listen to what the scripture says. Genesis 28. Some people are afraid of the future. God said, I will be with you. Right by you. Into the very end. For this God is our God from now. Even unto death. Psalm 48 verse 14. John 13 1. Having loved the son that were in the world, he loved them to the end. God is not a, Look at your neighbor and say, you are not an abandoned project. So don't fear. When we are building this hall, God told me, he said, I will be with you to the very end. He said, I will be with you to the end. He said, I will never leave you. Hebrews 13.5 Let your conversation be without covetousness, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, that you may boldly say, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do. Losing your job does not truncate God's plan. Failing your exam does not truncate God's plan. His plan is still there regardless. No matter what anybody has, if you don't have the, the presence of God with you, you are nobody. God told me, stay here. Don't go anywhere. Stay in Ilone. He said, I will be with you there. Just like he told Isaac. It was famine. The land was dry. Genesis 26. Verse 3 and 4. He said, don't go anywhere. Stay there. I will be with you. But the scripture I want us to read is Genesis 28, 15. God said to Jacob, listen to this. I am with thee. And we keep him in all the places with us. I wanted to read this scripture every day this week. I am with thee. And we keep thee in all places with us. And we bring you again into this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that. Which I have spoken to thee. Of I will not leave you until what? I carry it out. Now, where is the ground for fear now? He said, I won't leave you until I finish my work. He said, everything I say, I will bring it to pass. Can I hear somebody say, yes, Lord. Yes, when God told me this, he said, I won't leave you until I do everything I've spoken to you. I told you I will take you to the nations. I will not leave you. I told you you will be rich, you will be wealthy, and I will not leave you until I perform it. I told you you will be the head and not the tail, and I will not leave you until I carry it out. I told you you will not lack anything good, and I will not leave you until I carry it out. And that's it. Every time, that's one of the things I say every day. Don't leave me until you finish this work. 
Don't leave me until you carry out everything. He told Jacob. Jacob was not the best of human beings. He was a thief. Hey, I'm not perfect. You don't have to be. He said, I want to carry out what I say. Not because you have done the right thing. Not because you are holy. You may not even be fasting. Who cares? He said, but the mouth, what I've got out of my mouth in righteousness. Psalm 18, verse 34. My covenant will I not break. Neither will I take but the words that are proceeded out of my mouth. I want to read some translation of this. He said, I will not leave you until I have done everything that I promised you. What has he promised you? Male children, female children. What has he promised you? A house of your own. What has he promised you? You lay up gold as dust. What has he promised you? What has he promised you? All the promise of God in Christ. Second Corinthians 1.20 is yea and amen. To the glory of God by us. I will not leave you until I have done everything that I promise you. Another one says, until I have finished giving you everything. Lift up your hand and say, give me Lord. Keep giving it to me Lord. And don't stop until you finish giving them to me. Give them to me Lord. I receive right now. Stretch out your hands and say, I receive right now. Stretch out your hand and say, I receive right now. Stretch out your hand and say, I receive right now. Stretch out your hand and say, I receive right now. I will never leave you until I finish giving you everything I have promised you. Another one says, until I have accomplished all that I have said. Another one says, until I have made good all that I promised you. Another one says, until I have fulfilled all the things that I promised. Tap your neighbor and say, where is the fear of the future in all of these things? Stand on your feet and bless God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Just thank him. Thank him. Just wave your hand in appreciation. Come on. Wave your hand in appreciation. Wave your hand. I rule over the fear of future. Come on. Come on. Rule over it. Rule over it. I am more than conqueror. I'm in charge. He said he will not leave me until he has performed his counsel. His word will not drop to the ground. Can I hear you say that? Confess those words. His word will not drop to the ground. Not concerning me. Not concerning my family. Not concerning my life. Not concerning my future. Not concerning my destiny. Thank you, Lord. Come on, go ahead. Thank him. Thank him. Come on. Come on. Thank him. Glory be to God. 